Welcome to the Nutrition Revolution. Make us your one-stop shop for all things related to nutrition. We will remove the confusion, debunk the myths, and provide you with experts and thought leaders in the nutrition industry. Here's your host, Melissa Dunnings. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Revolution. I am Melissa Dunnings. I'm here with Miss Lisa Latimer. How are you today, Lisa? I'm great, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining from Long Island. Yeah. I love the accent. <laughs> You're going to hear a bit of it, I guess. <laughs> um, how have you been adapting to this stay-home order in the midst of corona? With a five and a six-year-old, you know, it's pretty easy for your time to be occupied. So we're just kind of doing a lot of the same. Homeschooling has definitely been interesting. Something I toyed with before I had kids that I now know I will never take on. <laughs> Once I have the option of putting, getting them back into school, you know. <laughs> is school closer for the rest of the year? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. It's, that's pretty much what we're all assuming, though it hasn't been officially said yet. So, Miss Lisa, as we mentioned, she is a, a busy mom. She stays busy chasing her children. And she serves through courses, personalized coaching, writing, and content creation. It's her joy to spread personal growth strategies that she's done for over a decade by helping clients thrive through toxic relationships, crippling fear, low self-esteem, and so many more subjects. And we are so pleased to have her as a guest today on the Nutrition Revolution. And Miss Lisa, tell us why you became a self-awareness coach and Really, what is a self-awareness coach? <laughs> I know we hear a lot about coaching. We hear a lot about life coaching and business coaching, right? Yeah. So self-awareness in itself is kind of, it's the conscious knowledge that we have of our character, our motives, our needs, and our wants. And you would think that that would be the easiest thing in the world to know who you are, right? Mm -hmm. It should be a no-brainer. But the problem is, is that a lot of times we're operating kind of on autopilot and we're distracted. And then you have your family, friends, coworkers, social media, and even pop culture influences coming in and kind of on a conscious and subconscious level. They're telling you what should matter to you. They're telling us, you know, what fulfillment should look like. So where I come in uh, as a self-awareness facilitator or coach is I help people learn how to build their self-awareness but so they can drown out all of that outside noise and really define for themselves what their own unique definition of fulfillment not only looks like because you know we tend to focus a lot on what something looks like but the feels you know what does fulfillment feel like for you and you know like you said i spent over a decade of self-healing from some really abusive and toxic relationships and what I find with my practice is that I'll have people that are coming through a lot of the same struggles that I came through where they were maybe in toxic relationships and they have that residual really negative self-talk because of how they were spoken to and treated. I deal with people that had a crippling fear of failure, but to the opposite end, believe it or not, crippling fear of success as well, which is a real issue. And I have to say, <laughs> I have to say though that the people that really started to fascinate me where when I was getting the people that kind of presented as really together, having it all, they spoke great, they, you know, they looked kind of they, like they would have a life that you could envy, 
but they were dealing with a lot of the same lack of fulfillment as the people that had come through different sorts of traumas in their lives. So that's why I deal first and foremost with self-awareness because I've seen with my clients that there's real empowerment in having an in-depth, intimate understanding of who you are and then being able to align with that. Now, did you come into this and become a self-awareness facilitator? Well, 10 years ago, how prevalent was social media? 10 years ago, social media wasn't that prevalent. So I've kind of had the, the pleasure of seeing how this layer, this extra layer of noise, so to speak, has affected people. And even myself, I've had to, and, and here's the funny thing, you'll have a lot of people like myself that are so anti-social media. I actually differ in my opinion. I love social media. I'm all for, and this is where self-awareness comes in again, I'm all for understanding how your social media interactions are making you feel. You know, how do you feel during the interaction? How are you feeling after the interaction? For example, I got on Instagram. I had to be really conscious of like the fitness girls that I was following on there because some of it was really not going to translate into my lifestyle. (laughs) Right. So you find people to follow who you align with on, you know, in some aspect of life and who make you feel good. And the people that, you know, just kind of have these impossible lifestyles that you know they're not being 100% honest about, you, you know, you start to learn how to kind of weed them out and, and not pay attention to them. It's all about what makes you feel good and what feeds your, your positive. That is such good information because I think we tend to follow the people that have large followings mm-hmm. and their lifestyles that they represent, their bodies are not authentic, they right. have been photoshopped, and they also have underlying agendas to sell more products or to sell and thinking, people thinking like, oh, if I take this miracle pill, I will look like them as well. So definitely that. Yes. A lot of the fitness people that I was following, you know, and I know people that are in like that bodybuilding lifestyle, they're not just going to the gym, you know, once a day. The influencers are selling you a pill to look like the way that they look, but you don't know that they're eating meals that are this small, that they're doing, they look so in shape, but in actuality, they're putting their bodies through a lot of abuse, multiple gym cycles a day, you know, eating very, very small portions, eating way more protein than what is healthy. So again, you have to get self-aware, understand is who I'm following or who am I interacting with feeding me positive? Is this something I can do? Or am I feeling when I walk away from this person's account, like I'm not good enough? And I think that's where a lot of people get confused. They want to follow people that they aspire to be, but they don't realize that what they're aspiring to be is not even realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what have you seen in like the self-awareness and the realm of nutrition? I know that's not necessarily where you professionalism lies or (laughs) where your expertise lies in nutrition, but I'm sure you see a trickle down effect. Absolutely. Yeah. Really the majority of my clients don't come to me for nutritional advice, but what happens is that they are pleasantly surprised. I'd say 90% of the time that as a result of gaining self-awareness, they start to feel better. They start to look better. I've seen them while we're working together, lose weight, have more energy. And 
the reason for this is because as they grow in their self-awareness, they're now bringing to light patterns that they didn't know existed. They're starting to connect all these dots. They're also bringing to light, and, and this could be, this is where sometimes, you know, when the gurus say, don't go to your past, you don't need your past, and people are like, okay, that's great, because we all have things in our past that are a little painful sometimes to revisit. But when you create a higher level of self-awareness, really, you need a frame of reference. You need your past to look at. And so they start bringing up false truths and self-limiting beliefs that they didn't even realize they were subscribing to. So in a nutritional industry or nutrition related, an example of a false truth would be you can't lose weight without cutting out all carbs. It's something that we hear so often that even though it's not factual, we take it as truth, right? Then they'll also develop self-limiting beliefs. So we touched on this a little bit before, you know, they'll go for the newest diet trend. And when they fail yet again, the self-limiting belief becomes, I don't have the dedication. I don't follow through. They don't realize that it's the industry that failed them, not themselves. Oh, wow. That is powerful. Yeah. I've seen people change their entire unhealthy lifestyle just by becoming more self-aware. And what's really interesting is that there are such direct correlations between the way that we'll abuse our personal finances and the way that we'll abuse food. So for example, some people, I'll work with them and they'll, they may find that they tend to run particularly high credit card bills in times of anxiety, stress, depression, even have achieved something. And then we'll look into the health and nutrition aspect of their life. And it'll also be in those same times of you know, depression, anxiety, celebrating something that they'll, you know, that will trigger a binge eating episodes. So when you increase your self-awareness, you start to, to make all of these connections and have all of these aha moments. And oftentimes they span across multiple aspects of your life. But for example, if you in your childhood, like myself, some of our fondest childhood memories may revolve around being with family during holidays or Sunday dinners or grandpa or dad taking you out for ice cream on the weekends. I know we, we used to hit up Carvel and Baskin and Robbins really hard. <laughs> so, you know, and to the opposite end also, for other families, maybe food, maybe money was tight and food, you know, and there were times in my household where for dinner, my dad would be like, go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't know what to tell you. So what we end up doing when we're not self-aware is we end up abusing food and we use it to soothe, to calm, and even to kind of compensate for all of these unknowns that are just laying there beneath the surface that we haven't gotten to yet until we increase our self-awareness. Yeah. So when we look at things that we first need to understand with nutrition and I know I keep going back to nutrition, but you're looking at it holistically, which I completely understand and completely agree with because I think a lot of the things we see that we do are all hinged on something from our past or something that we're unaware of. Right. Especially our eating habits. Absolutely. And when we look at, I'm a huge, ad, not an advocate, but I do watch the show My 600 Pound Life. Okay. Never watched that. And I've also watched a lot of episodes of Intervention, and the stories are exactly the same. Right. It's just they turn to a different drug. Right, like pick your poison, right? Pick your poison. It always comes from, you know, some type of childhood trauma or some trauma that they experience, and most of it is a very um, 
unexpected, gruesome trauma of mm-hmm. some sort, but they've picked either food or right. narcotics or other type of opiates to as their food of poison. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And it's funny because I actually, one of the most dramatic shifts that I've seen in someone's nutrition and health actually came when I was working as an ultrasound technician. I was a registered adult cardiac sonographer. And I had a woman come in that she was overweight. She was a pack a day smoker. And she was at a point where she couldn't lay flat on her back without having violent coughing fits. As soon as I looked inside, I saw she had a lot of fluid around her heart. So she, you know, we we scheduled her to have the fluid removed. And for her two to three week follow-up, this woman came back and she had tears in her eyes. She gave us all a huge hug. She was noticeably slimmer. She raved about how she quit her pack a day smoking habit. She was now, you know, walking around her neighborhood to get active. She looked amazing. She sounded amazing. She felt amazing. And so every time we find out something new about ourselves, even if it's something that's bad or scary. So in this, you know, it was this woman's health situation that kind of hit her over the head, like a ton of bricks and becoming aware of that. She then did things that she probably would have never thought she could do like quit that pack a day smoking habit, incorporate good nutrition and incorporate exercise into her life. And I'll tell you that those positive actions catapulted her into a whole other level of self-awareness where now she's in that growth mindset. Now she is doing things that she never thought she could do. And that, that kind of leads us into being able to do other things that we never imagined ourselves doing too. So, you know, self-awareness really, it has the power to completely transform your unhealthy lifestyle from nutrition, exercise, and, and overall health. So tell us how we become more self-aware, just I mean, or some tips or insight on self-awareness. Sure. So um, in my book, I actually outline, I'm just going to drop a few of the tips that I mentioned in my book. The first two kind of go hand in hand. So I'm huge. And as you can kind of get an idea from how I keep talking about our past, our past, we need our past. I'm huge on reflecting a systematic method of reflecting and journaling If you want to call it reflective journaling, that's fine. (laughs) But I would say once a day, once a week, or at the, you know, very most once a month, I suggest having a time where you can get still, get quiet, and just reflect. When you're first starting, I recommend doing it daily, weekly at the most, because you really want to grab these nuggets while they're fresh. And when I say reflecting on your past, it could be your... 20 year ago past, it could be, you know, five hours ago past and just reflect and, and write down certain things. What happened? Who did you have an interaction with? How did you feel after that interaction? Um, These traumas that we're reflecting on, or this is just anything, anything that in your day kind of sticks out in your head for some reason, even if you don't initially understand why it resonated with you and is sticking to you, write it down because in there somewhere is a lesson, a pattern, something that's going to emerge. And then once you get a little bit more accustomed to this type of really reflective thinking and walking around with, I call it your consciousness switch flipped on, then you can start doing it maybe once a month. But yeah, you start to really be able to connect these dots and say, you know, something happened at work today. And you know what? 
At about six o'clock, I just grabbed a loaf of bread and started shoving it in my mouth. You start making all these connections or, you know, I had this interaction and it made me feel this way. And I've noticed that when I interact with this person, I feel this way. Why do I feel like this? Do I maybe need to limit my interaction with this person? So there's so much to journal and there's always something to put down in the journal. It's never going to be where you're just staring at a paper and you don't know what to write. There's always something that comes up. Always something. Okay. Okay. So it could just be the first reflective thing that comes to mind. Absolutely. Or if you want to roll your sleeves up and dig into your past, you know, I go into like a systematic way of doing that, digging into your like long ago past. And um, you could do it by age. You could do it by grade you were in. Um, You could do it by, you know, if you're someone that's moved around a lot, you could do it by, you know, wherever you were living at the moment and just go through these random things that stick out in your mind about that particular time. I mean, we all have things like I have a, a fourth grade incident where I had, my teacher was a nun and she, we were correcting math homework and she was like, okay, everyone raise your hand for every question you got wrong and I'll come and I'll explain to you. And I was raising my hand for every other question because I'm not the greatest with math. And she came over and in a fit of rage, for some reason, took my book and slammed it on my desk. And I remember just sitting there with everyone looking at me and fighting back tears. We all have these types of stories in different aspects of our lives. And when I sat there and I reflected on it, In a moment where I felt so small at at that time, I realized that in revisiting it, I was actually the strong one. In revisiting that memory, I was able to take that power away from the person who in the moment felt like they had all of the power over me and able to reframe that situation. You know, and that's what we, you know, I get into that a little bit more in the book, but that's what we can do when we, or a benefit, I should say, of when we sit there and do this really deep reflective journaling is we can go back and take the power back in situations that left us feeling powerless by going through it again from kind of a fresh perspective and reframing the situation. And had you found that that incident impacted things in your life? Oh, absolutely. Up to that point? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so when we go through these incidences, the way that I kind of break it down is I have you take the incident, write down false truths and self-limiting beliefs that you believe might have stemmed from that incident. So with that incident in particular, it taught me, number one, trust. It gave me a huge amount of trust issues. And especially for authority figures, this is your teacher. You know, this is someone who is supposed to make you feel comfortable. And she's a nun at that. (laughs) You know, she's supposed to be like one of the nicest people in the world, forgiving. You know, and here she is having a, a meltdown at me for being honest about my need for help. And then that was another thing, you know, it made me feel, and it's something I still even struggle with to this day, being able to freely ask for help. It brings you back to that situation that you felt very vulnerable in. Or probably being wrong. Get like, and yes, over-preparing sometimes for things because you're so nervous that you're gonna get caught either not knowing an answer and it's okay to not know an answer. You know, so yeah, when we look back and we take these different situations, there is just so much that we can extract from them and say, oh, okay, maybe that has, that contributed to why I feel like this, you know, that contributed to why I have a hard time speaking up when I need help. It gives you real in-depth insight into who you are and kind of the way you work and the way you operate. That's a great one. I love that one. I'd love to see like some of the, when they work through this, some of the things that causes you to, I mean, yes, there are 
hormonal things and crashes and cravings that we have throughout the day, but what is caused the root cause of, you know, some type of eating issue that we have or whether it be, you know, I want two buckets of chocolate at the end of the day just to comfort myself and and how we're comforting ourselves with food. Well, absolutely. And just like that lady found out through, you know, medicine, science, whatever you want to call it, through the ultrasound, that her body was having a real issue, you know, that's uh, helping someone increase their self-awareness as well. When you're able to do testing on someone to kind of see, well, you know, how, how things are functioning, like you said, is it hormonal, you know, are there underlying issues there, you know, physiological issues, and that's really important too, and we have to be self-aware and proactive about being self-aware of these you know, the genetic issues and the physiological issues as well. So in my practice, we do metabolic testing. So I can tell if your metabolism is fast, slow, average. And most people come in and they're like, I have a slow metabolism, have a slow metabolism. We test it. Their metabolism is actually very, very average. Mm -hmm. The awareness, the honesty that comes out of that conversation is, oh, yeah, I mean, I do use that as an excuse to overeat and that's the result of the body I'm in rather than I've got a slow metabolism. Everyone wants to have an excuse of slow metabolism. There, there are people with slow metabolisms, but there are very few. I love that. And I, I love that you said that because that goes right back to kind of the false truths. So you hear something repeated so often, you know, oh, I'm just big boned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another one, right? I'm just big boned. Everyone in my family is big boned. And there's this great quote, it's, it's, you know, everyone wants the truth. It's something to the degree that everyone wants the truth, but they're not necessarily, they don't always feel kind to the truth sayer. So when you're delivering someone the news that, listen, it's not your metabolism, you need to make some changes, that may kind of feel like, ouch, initially, but you're empowering them. You're giving them important tools and an important, you know, you know, whether they like it or appreciate it or not in the moment, you're kind of catapulting them into another little level of self-awareness that they can use to, to make the changes that they need. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, those are always very interesting conversations. <laughs> and I, I always prepare myself because I look at the data before I interpret it. Uh-huh. And I always prepare myself for that conversation saying, well, we really need to assess and be honest about what you're currently doing. Right. Because the results show that you have a, sometimes it's a very high metabolism wow. uh, and they're, they're still, you know, if it's a 2000 calorie metabolism and they're eating 3000, we're going to see weight gain. Absolutely. <laughs> this is telling me that you're eating over 3000 calories a day. You in no way have a slow metabolism. <laughs> right. It, it's really, it's so easy to kind of overestimate our, uh, yeah. Our actions overestimate how healthy we're eating, overestimate how much we're exercising, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for bringing that. So we said the first step was journaling. What is the second step? Oh, so the, the reflection and the journaling are kind of like a one-two punch. You can do it separately. I like to do it together. So you could do the reflecting. You could do the journaling. So then kind of uh, number three would be, and this is nothing new. It's just a little bit of a different approach is, you know, take on something that is physically challenging to you, not just for the, the calorie burn, not just for the, you know, the, the physical changes that you're going to see. 
for the mind body connection. When you take on a physical activity, and I'm not saying you have to go and run and start doing CrossFit. <laughs> I'm saying do something that fits into your lifestyle. So if, for example, going up your, your stairs in your home makes you feel winded, do it a couple of times a day. You know, work yourself up to the point where you're doing it maybe three times a day. Work yourself up to the point where you're jogging up your stairs three times a day and not feeling winded and then proceed from there. Because something happens when you go from not being able to do something to doing it and not even breaking a sweat, it really opens up your mind to all of the other things you can do and that you can control when you conquer one little thing. It turns into just this positive snowball effect. So my thing is strengthen the body, strengthen the mind simultaneously. So, you know, if you can't make it up the steps without huffing and puffing, it's okay. Go through it and then make yourself do it again and again, incrementally. And, you know, when you sit there and again, this goes back and this is actually going to go into the fourth point of, of self-talk. When you start having these wins that for some people may seem little, for others, it's tremendous. And I, and I always say, whatever a win is to you, celebrate it. There's no win that's too small. So when you go and you're able to make it up those stairs, now you say, you know what? I can do the nutrition aspect. I can meal plan. I can stop eating when I start feeling full. I can make healthier choices when I'm food shopping or when, I'm, when I go out to eat. It, it leads to this, I can, I can, I can. So physical activity, not just beneficial for the actual losing of weight, the calorie expenditure, the strength and the toning. It's a great workout for your mind because it's, it's a mindset issue also. Yeah, yeah. So if we, show, if we can do those little things, we can just compound. Yeah, it definitely exceeds our expect, expectation of what we thought our bodies were cap was capable of or our minds. And, and exactly. And with this, like the mind-body connection, it's both, which just, it, it makes you feel so amazing. It's funny because I, um, in my course, I, it's called The Art of Positive Self-Talk. You have to be cautious of how you digest certain things. So for instance, when you have the phrase, go hard or go home, right? That's usually meant as a motivational thing you know, go hard, give it your all or go home, you'll have people where that is really inspiring and they'll go hard. You'll have other people though where that's intimidating and they feel like their personal go hard or their personal best isn't good enough. But that's not the case. Anything that's a win for you, anything that you couldn't do the day before that you could do now a little bit better is a win. I've never thought of that, but that is a very dangerous statement because some people are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go hard. Right. I can't go as hard as these people. I don't belong. A lot of times, like, especially when you see people within the gym, a lot of people are so intimidated by the gym. I can't do what they're doing, you know, so I'm just not going to go. I'm not worthy. I don't belong. And so I say celebrate every bit of progress. Every bit of progress is a win. Definitely. So we had journal, we had mm -hmm. gratitude, I mean, reflective journal, right. we had exercise. And, and then that leads us right into the fourth one, which is be mindful of your self-talk. So a lot of times, you know, and the thing about self-talk when we're not conscious of it is it is so brutal and it pops up at, it seems like it pops up just at the time where you're ready to kind of bet on yourself and try to feel good about something and it comes and sabotages it. So for instance, you might get a new outfit or be in the, in the store trying an outfit on and you look in the mirror and instead of being like, oh, this color looks great on me or that, you know, we'll say, or I've said to myself, I still look like I'm five months pregnant, <laughs> you know, or you'll say, you know, or, or how did you allow yourself to get so, 
out of control. No one's going to find you sexy or attractive at this size. That's the type of stuff that just pops into our head when we're not conscious of our self-talk. So when you get conscious of your self-talk, you're able to kind of shift the narrative from how did you get so out of control to listen, you know, you could put it in check. Listen, I'm a little thick. I'm working on my nutrition. I'm a work in progress. This color brings out my eyes. This color brings out the color of my hair. You learn to focus on other things and understand that you're allowed to be a work in progress. And those little wins that I say celebrate every little win, those little wins are going to be the things that build up the muscle of your positive self-talk so that when that negative voice creeps up, you can, comp you can immediately counterpunch it and not allow it to have such a, a penetrating and ouch effect on you. That great. Thank you. That was awesome. I love that. That is something that I think anyone in any, whether it's nutritionally or not, I know your book isn't necessarily about nutrition, but well, yeah, I mean, the reflection would probably be the most difficult for me. I don't know why. I, I just find that, I just think that that's what I felt the most resistance toward when you mentioned it. Yes. I, I, I really need to understand why that was. I, I really need to think about that. And that's what I was just going to ask you. Why do, why do you think that? But that's not uncommon. In fact, journaling in general is something that I fought for years. My just initial instinct and reaction to it was, eh, you know, do I really need something else on my to-do list? Now I have to sit here and take time to stop and think and journal, you know? But I will tell you that myself and when I work with my clients, when you get it out and you have it out there on paper and it's no longer, if you have an enemy that's hiding in the bushes that you don't know is there, it's really easy for that enemy to jump up and tackle you, right? When you go through the kind of uncomfortable process of bringing that enemy about, you see it. It's not going to trip you up, you know, and catch you off guard as often. I liken it to, are you familiar with the horror movies, the Halloween franchise? No, not at all. Okay, so his sister has to constantly kill him and he keeps coming back from the dead. And there's like 20 of these different Halloween 1 through like 15. So I liken it to the fact that if you don't kill it for good, if you don't face it for good, if you just put a bandage on it and not get in there and kind of handle it with surgeon-like precision to get to the root of the problem, it's just going to keep popping up like that horror movie character. Just when she thinks that she's living her best life and put him behind her, there he is stalking her and ready for, you know, a Halloween part 25. And that's what we find ourselves. We find ourselves being tripped up by things that we thought we handled, but only because we put a bandaid on them. We didn't really get to the root cause of them. So we're going on living our best life thinking it's all good. And then we trip over the same thing again. And it's like, where did this come from? So the journaling and the reflection, you're not the first person to be resistant to it. It's actually a really normal reaction. I will tell you, and I thought it was cheesy. It's a life changer. It really is. Really? Yeah. Wonderful. So at this point, I always ask for your nutrition nugget. So it is something you wish your 20-year-old self knew. That would have saved you a lot of heartache, a lot of sleepless nights. It's really to try to give people, they take nothing else from this episode. They take this, it would have a huge impact on their life. So what is your nutrition nugget? So my nutrition nugget is, wow. It would be that nutrition is 
when I talk about, you know, silencing the noise, the nutrition industry is one of the loudest, most invasive industries and most profitable industries. So it's the noisiest, one of the noisiest industries. And it's presented in all sorts of packages. Sometimes it's a one size fits all type of deal. Other times it's a, you know, just whatever the newest celebrity endorsed trend is. Then you have all of these convenience items like pills, you know, they don't have to run tests on you. They'll just give you pills, the bars, the shakes, and all of these other convenience items that come out kind of piggybacking off of the latest trend. And we're being sold isn't convenience. They're not doing it to help us out. What we're actually being sold is this idea that we have to constantly kind of rely on whatever the newest sexy trend is, quick solution, you know, to our nutrition. When the fact of the matter is, you know, especially if we can rule out or find out about any underlying issues that we may have, we have the answers. We know what we should be eating. We know what we shouldn't be eating in terms of what's healthy and what's not healthy. We know when we're eating, when we start feeling a little uncomfortable and when we maybe need to put the fork down, right? We know all of these things. And when we get more self-aware and, you know, kind of take a, almost like an intuitive approach to nutrition and eating along with, again, I'm big on testing and, and making sure that there are no underlying issues. And if there are, you know what they are, or like you said, ruling out those issues so that instead of, you know, having a convenient source of blame, you can do the work and actually get the results you know, you have to realize being aware of what works for you, you don't need celebrities to tell you that there is not going to be a quick solution that comes in some sexy packaging, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's going to make you go from where you are now to looking like how we discussed earlier, some of the fitness influencers that you see on Instagram, you know, there's a lot going on there that they are not telling you about because they want you to think you can get it all from this one product. And, you know, myself, just like so many of us, I have tried all of those diets. <laughs> wow, that is a great nugget. That <laughs> within us, we have the power, we have the ability to become more aware of what we're eating to get our own changes. And don't compare yourself to other people. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah comparison is ugly. Comparison is, yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to today's podcast? Um, you know, just that, you know, we all have this God-given divine gift of intuition. And I would love to see us all embrace it and start trusting ourselves more as opposed to, you know, the product industry, like we were just speaking about, and really use that intuition and learn how to trust ourselves because that all contributes to a growth mindset, a positive mindset and learning to, you know, growing in self-awareness and learning to trust ourselves and have that confidence that comes along with that. We, we have it in us. We have to just start learning how to trust it and use it. Wonderful. So where can our audience find you? What's your social media handles and website? My website is Lisa Latimer, L-A-T-I-M-E-R.com. And from there, there are all sorts of buttons that lead to different places. You can find me on all my different social media from there. I do have a Facebook page. I'll be starting my Facebook groups very soon. So if you go on Facebook, you can find me at Personal Growth Lifestyle. And I have courses 
on the Teachable platform, but you can't look them up from Teachable. So if you go on my website, I have links to the courses, one of them being the art of positive self-talk. I also have the big but goal setting mini course, which goes into the word but and how it actually is quite a self-sabotaging word when we link it to our goals. For a quick example, I want to lose 15 pounds, but I want to start my business, but we tend to hang this butt on the back of our goals the minute we speak them, almost giving ourselves kind of permission to not follow through and achieve them. So we get specific on the word but, and then you know you go into self-aware goal setting to achieve a couple of goals. It's a mini course, and it's just a small nugget of like what the larger art of positive self-talk is about. So you'll find all of that from the website, uh, lisalatimer.com. Lisa, thank you so much for joining today and adding, just dropping so many knowledge bombs. I think this was very enlightening conversation just to, you know, take it away, put it back, put the onus back on ourselves and make us look internally at what we're truly dealing with and maybe causing issues for us. Um, I appreciate your time and thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I hope your audience gets value from it. I'm certain it will. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Nutrition Revolution. Join us every Tuesday for a new episode. Visit our website at nutritionrevolutionwithmd.com for our show notes and to access resources we discussed in this episode. Remember to download and subscribe to The Nutrition Revolution. Until next week, live a healthy and happy life.